Hi there, I'm Jim. And I'm Claire. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G, and joining me again, Dr. Claire LaMonica, our director. Hi, Claire. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm great. Hey, do you have high expectations for today's podcast episode? Oh, I do. I always have high expectations for you, Jim, and I am always sure that you are going to meet or exceed them. Well, that that makes me feel really good. And you did a very good job of, of communicating them, at least the premise. Today we're talking about communicating our high expectations to our students. It's one of the seven principles for good practice in undergraduate education. I always have to look at the flyer to get the title right. <laughs> me too. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, we use them all the time, but they are there, and we have talked about them before on our podcast. So we when, when you hear communicate high expectations, what are some of the pitfalls that you think as instructors we kind of we kind of fall into when we're trying to express our, our expectations yeah. to students? I think the the biggest pitfall that people fall into is communicating high expectations but not providing students with ways of meeting them. Okay. So we often hear faculty say that, well, I'm all about high expectations. I really want to have high expectations. But you know, if I have high, if I have high expectations, I get low teacher evaluations. Oh, I see. Um, because mm-hmm. the students get mad at me and they don't like, they don't like having high expectations. But actually, uh, the research suggests something different. And when you talk to individual students, even, you know, I, well, I shouldn't say even, especially here on our campus, because that's what I know about. Um, that's not what they say. You know, we have a, it's very interesting, um, each year at New Faculty Orientation, we have a panel of students, and uh, we ask them some questions, and they answer, and then the new faculty ask them questions. And um, this sometimes comes up, mm-hmm. you know, or it, or this will come up. What, what's your favorite class? Tell us about your favorite class you've ever taken at Illinois State University. And I am amazed at the number of classes that students start, they, they, the number of times that students start answering that question by saying this, you know, this is really weird because this was a really hard class, but it was my favorite class mm-hmm. at Illinois State University. And they'll talk about a class that had high expectations that challenged them. Mm-hmm. And they really got into it. They got involved. They got engaged with the learning. So um, that's sort of what we're aiming for with high expectations. It's not about increasing workload. It's yeah. not about being a harder grader. It's not about making sure that a certain number of your students fail so you can have a, have a good bell curve of grades. Right. It's not about any of that. It's about posing challenges for students that get them engaged in their own learning and cause them to rethink the way they see the world and change, you know, change their, not just their brains, but also their hearts and minds. So I guess communicating high expectations, part of that, and this can, I think, be where some of the, the how do you do it comes in. I guess communicating high expectations, part of that is also challenging the pre-existing expectations that either you or your students have uh, in a way, because I think students bring a lot of, oh, this is how you do this kind of class right? Um, yeah. to the mix. Yeah, and... pity the poor gen ed teacher. R- who, right, you exactly. Know, we, yeah. we talk yeah. about this a lot in yeah. workshops with gen ed teachers where they say, oh, the students, 
you know, they come in and say, oh, this is just a gen ed class. Or they'll say, this is too much work for just a gen ed class. Or just a 100 level class or, or just, just a, a one, 200 yeah. level. I get that a lot. Yeah. Just a, it's, yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really I don't. don't. I don't know what that yeah. means either. But, yeah. but I think that, um, so the challenge for us is to create and maintain and communicate high expectations in ways that also let students know that we think they can meet them. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. we started the podcast, I say, yeah. you know, I said, well, I have expectations and I know you usually meet them. So, yeah. you know, ex- showing your students that you trust them right, and that you're not dumbing it down because they can't understand it. Right. You know, that you have faith that they can, that they can understand this content. And it, so it needs to be appropriate, obviously. Uh-huh. You're, you need to gauge the level of the content um, appropriately so that the students have the background knowledge that they're going to need. Right. And that they, that it, they see the relevance, they understand the importance of, of the topic mm-hmm. um, in ways that, that make them want to engage with the with the material. So when you, uh, I, I was a little struck, uh, and we talked about this before we started recording. That when you look at the um, the, the the pamphlet, the blue pamphlet, pamphlet we call it, <laughs> yeah. uh, the of the seven principles, uh, that the examples that were given in that original article from back in 1987 or 1986, and we'll link to that on our show page as as usual are very institutional oriented. They're like programs that have been set up to encourage high school students to do this and all that. So what we want to, I think, explore today are, are what can, what are things that I as an individual instructor, what can I do to communicate high expectations and a sense of rigor without rigor being a, a negative right. uh, sort of thing or being perceived as punishment by the students. Right, right. So, the, you know, a lot of this goes back to Ken Bain. So even though we have a sort of a starting point, um, this seven principles booklet yeah. um, in Ken Bain's book about what the best college teachers do, which we re- reference all the time. People yeah. are probably sick. If you're sick of hearing about that, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I'm going to bring it up again. It's always a good um, time for Dr. It's Bain. It's always a good time for Dr. Bain. But he has a whole chapter on um, what do uh, what do the best college teachers expect of their students? And the short one word answer is they expect more. Mm-hmm. They expect that students won't just satisfy themselves with surface learning, Mm -hmm. that they won't just study to pass the test, that they will engage with the course in a way that changes the way they see the world and that Mm -hmm. changes their hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he says, you know, is that then they also set up an expectation of success Mm -hmm. and a support structure for helping students succeed. Mm-hmm. And that, and also that they think about, there's a quote in there, and I can't remember it exactly, but it's kind of nice. It's, it's about not teaching the course, but teaching the students. Right. So you kind of have to know your students. And I understand that that may be yeah. sort of an unrealistic expectation if you have a lecture class with 300 students right. in it. But, you know, that's not our bread and butter at Illinois State University. Our mm-hmm. bread and butter is the classes that have, 30 students in them right. or, you know, 30 to 50, something like that. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, it is possible to to know your students and, you, and to help them learn. You had mentioned support structures, putting support structures in place. What would something like that look like? Well, so let me think. I mean, would that be like creating an online so, forum or would that, it, you know? Would that okay, so there, there are a number of things that you could do to, as sort of support structures. So if you are, uh, if you're teaching a course that has, for example, specific prior knowledge that students have to have mastered. Mm-hmm. 
And you're not 100% sure that they are going to have mastered that. Mm -hmm. So I have talked to instructors who provide some of that prior knowledge on their course websites, mm -hmm. and then they feel like they can, you know, they can point students in that direction. Here's some, if, if you don't remember this from your prior courses, or if you never took those prior courses, um, here's a place that you can learn, I don't know, how to work this kind of equation or, mm -hmm. or what, you know, mm -hmm. what these terms mean or something like that. So sort of resources for students mm -hmm. um, to use. But I think more important, um, encouraging students to um, form study groups Okay. Is is huge. That's um and, and that's something that not all students understand that it's okay. And sometimes um sometimes the students who need it most are the ones who don't think it's okay. I think we have just struck upon as we like to say that should be a future episode of yeah. Let's Talk Teaching because I think study groups is something how to how to help students shepherd them through the process of forming study groups. Right. Uh, is something yeah. I have absolutely no experience in, and I would love to learn more about yeah. that. So I see what you mean about the support structure, putting things like that in place. And so you, you then you make that as part of the actual communicating of the expectations, I right. guess. You say, I have high expectations for you to succeed in this, and here are some resources. Right. And I have those high expectations in part because these resources are available if right. you don't feel confident yet in this right. material, you can, you can look at it. But um, I have confidence in you. Yeah. But I, mean, I have that's, you know, you. that always has message. to be the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, this, I wonder, I just had kind of a crazy idea, maybe, um, that, you know, we've been talking a lot in, in past episodes about uh, assessing our teaching and the importance mm -hmm. of assessing our teaching and getting feedback from students. This might be one of those times, and I think I've, and I've done this recently because I have a lot of pro, uh, project-based learning going on in, in my course I'm teaching right now, and saying, I have high expectations for this. Students have, in the past have said that they had to work for about a week on this in order to get it yes. to accomplish. So yes. we're kind of tie, we're tying in that whole time on task concept yeah. again too. Um, but using student feedback, previous feedback about how the course, uh, how they perceive the course, to inform students who are in the course right now. Yes, yeah. and letting and letting them know that you. Um, mm -hmm. So I do that even for my design your course workshop here at CTLT in the summer. Um, a couple of summers ago, I flipped it. And I, so people are doing a lot of work outside of our meetings, mm -hmm. but I actually provide a kind of a breakdown of how long I expect ex each task will take them. Right. So I say, okay, here are six things you need to do between now and our next meeting. And I think it's going to take you about mm -hmm. three hours or four hours. And mm -hmm. I've sort of broken it down. So um, anticipate that you might spend X number of hours on this or what. Right. And then I gather some feedback from the people uh, in the workshop right. and say, okay, did did the tasks this week take you about as much time as I anticipated? Did it take you less time? Did it take you more time? Yeah. And I can use that to sort of yeah. recalibrate in, for future workshops. That's cool. So the other thing for communicating expectations, and I, and I think we talked about this, we've touched on this previously, but I think it's important to kind of reinforce, and that is not only communicating how long you think something's going to take, but also when you're dealing with, maybe we haven't talked about this, when you're dealing with long-term projects, mm -hmm. the final paper mm -hmm. at the end of the semester that is really supposed to be the culmination of a semester's worth of work, don't just assign it and then not talk about it for two or three months. 
In other words, have checkpoints or have points right. where where you're where you're where you're. So you're not just saying I expect great things from this paper. I'll see you in December or see whatever. You, December. you know, see you in May. We actually talked about that in the time on task section. Okay, that's right. Uh, that's segment. Right. So yeah. that was yeah. That's a big a big part of that. Yeah, and so using that as so all of these other things I see is kind of they're they're kind of part of what you build your argument to students that you can succeed and I that's my expectation for you mm-hmm. that you have these tools and these resources available. You can do some of that in your syllabus. I think the way you write your syllabus mm-hmm. and and I I can't remember if we've done a podcast. Oh, we did. We on did. the promising syllabus. We yeah. did do a podcast on the promising syllabus. But um making your syllabus not about all capital letters and bold face and italics and underlined, you know, the, making all sorts of um, mm-hmm. pronouncements about how what students will and will not do, but um, actually um, talking a little bit in the syllabus, making it a starting point for your conversation with your students. Mm-hmm. So I had this syllabus one time. I was teaching a first-year composition class, and um, mm-hmm. I had read something. And I, the syllabus kind of started out about, um, it said, recently I read an article that said that um, students fear, the only thing students fear more than uh, nuclear holocaust is first-year composition. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and, yeah, and then I said, Rest assured, this yeah. isn't going to be nearly as bad, right, right. <laughs> you know, um, as an, the apocalypse. Um, now, public and, public speaking. I used to teach public speaking, so I would say I would throw that in there as well. They actually, but yes. they actually yeah. are more afraid of that than they yeah. are freshman composition. But, but I see your point. Yeah, yeah I and and then yeah. I went on to say this this course is going to be a course in which you're going to have to work hard. Yeah, you're probably going to have to spend X number of hours a week outside of class right. working on your writing, but I'm here to help. Your fellow students are here to help. It's going to be very interactive. You're going to be talking to each other about your writing. Mm -hmm. You're going to be talking to me about your writing. And by the end, I think you're going to be pretty excited about the amount of growth you see Mm -hmm. in your writing. So, um, you know, putting it in that kind of context that, yeah, this this might be scary. Um, I don't find writing scary, but I get it that other people do. Um, You know, so maybe it's scary. Maybe it seems overwhelming. But but we're here to help and we're going to we're going to help you succeed and and i say at the outset my expectation is that at the end of this semester every single one of you will be a better writer than you are now at the start of the semester right. and i think that's a very realistic expectation sure, to have sure. for that course so also setting out specific expectations not being too general mm-hmm. and i mean that's still you know how do you decide you know they can decide if they're a better writer or not right. and you can kind of help them identify the points that they've improved upon but that's that that's a nice combination of specificity but also um Something that's personally relatable, so it's it's that personal uh, learning, right? Uh, and because... I don't put it in terms of grades, so I'm right. not going to say, oh, X number of you yeah. are going to get A's, or right. I expect that everybody's going to earn an A because I don't. Yeah. I expect that they're all going to be better writers, and uh-huh. I know that some for some of them, being coming a better writer probably mean is going to mean earning an A in the course, but for some of them, becoming a better writer is just going to mean earning a C in the course, but that's going to be growth for them. Sure. And I, so that sort of brings me to um, another way that you can communicate high expectations. And that's if you do use a rubric mm-hmm. or through your grading structures or your, your evaluation structures and including your uh, formative evaluations. Mm-hmm. So I taught a grad course um, a couple of years ago um, 
which was blended. Mm-hmm. And so a good a good deal of um, what was happening was happening online. And one of the things that was happening was a, um, a discussion forum. Mm-hmm. And after, I don't know, after a couple of weeks, I went in. I wasn't in the discussion forum all the time because I really wanted it to be a discussion among the students. Right. But I was kind of watching it. And after a couple of weeks, I went in and I sent each student a formative evaluation of their contributions to the discussion so far. And I was pretty specific. And I said, you know, um, I see that you're doing a lot of summarizing, but you're not doing much synthesizing. Uh So I'd like to see you doing more synthesizing, taking, you know, other people's ideas and your ideas and pulling them together Uh or taking ideas from the various readings. And so it was pretty specific, but um, synthesizing is a higher expectation than summarizing. Sure. And, when I did that, just that little message that I sent to each student, all of a sudden the quality of the discussions mm-hmm. skyrocketed. Like mm-hmm. everybody was like, oh, I now I get what she wants. Yeah. You know, if nothing and it, else. <laughs> and it's so much more effective than just saying, no, I think that was a D. Yeah. Or I think that was an A. You know, because, be, yeah. oh, seriously though, because students really do, you know, at some point they just go, it's Caprice or it's, yeah. they don't like me or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. And, she just and grades based on what she likes. So in our final few minutes, I wanted to ask you a question, which is kind of related to communicating high expectations, which is how, what are some ways in which you've communicated with students when they don't meet your expectations? How do you give uh, or get people, get students back on track towards right. those high expectations yeah. when they stumble? Yeah. You know what? I think that's, that's really, um, that's where we get down to teaching the students taking the time to meet with them to find out what's going on. Um, this is, you know, one of my most spectacular failures in teaching one time was my failure to actually sit down and meet with a student who not only wasn't meeting my expectations, but I felt was kind of poisoning the well of the class. Mm-hmm. And I didn't sit down to meet with them to find out what was going on. And, um, Afterwards, I, I discovered that you know it was something that maybe we could have talked about together, yeah. and it and it might have been helpful. So um, I think you know when you have students who really do seem to be struggling, finding out what the root cause of that is, mm-hmm. and you know, and how you can help, mm-hmm. is is really important. Mm-hmm. Even just things like. Um, we, we had a speaker here one time, actually the old um, Center for the Advancement of Teaching brought in a, a speaker who said mm-hmm. something that I have always remembered, and that was about class attendance Okay. and um, having, a high, having high expectations for class attendance. So my syllabus says, I expect you to be here for every class. Um, and then it goes on and talks about why, mm-hmm. first of all, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, what might happen if you are gone a lot. Um, but anyway... Um, he said one sort of um, – that one approach you can take is if you see a student in the first few weeks of class skipping, you know, missing here and there, mm-hmm. just sending that student an email and saying, hey, mm-hmm. we weren't in class today. We missed you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, touching base and making it clear to them that they, they do need to be there, mm-hmm. but not in a pejorative way. In yeah. sort of a, you know, is there – you know, is there something going on? You know, yeah. whatever. Or we missed you. We, you know, you make good contributions when you're there. Whatever's 
honest and true. Yeah. But you can also use that. And and actually, he said, you know, if you make that intervention, which is the word I was trying to think of before, if you make that intervention in the first couple of weeks of class, attendance goes up. It improves yeah. attendance in your class. So it's a really minor thing you can do to to get people to come to class. And I think that's kind of maybe the lesson I'm taking out of our conversation today, which is that communicating high expectations does not to be does not have to be some profound pronouncement from the mountaintop. <laughs> Probably better if it's not. <laughs> it's the little it's the little acts of communicating. Through those, we can we can we can reinforce and and help students uh, meet those expectations that we have. It's more about the philosophy you bring to the classroom than it is about the little tactics or strategies that right. you bring to the classroom. Right. It's really having that expectation, communicating that expectation, and then doing what you can to yeah. make sure that students are are meeting that expectation. And I think consistency is important too. So yeah. this may sound easy, but it's something you have to do consistently throughout the semester. I Absolutely. Think yeah. Well, Claire, thank you so much. It's been another great conversation. Thank you, Jim. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about this episode and past episodes by going to our website at ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. You can also find about the many different ways you can subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. For Claire LaMonica and the rest of us here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, I'm Jim G. Until we talk again, happy teaching. <laughs>